I'm Reverend J. Stewart Glover, and you are listening to Faith Talk. Today, I have the privilege of sitting with Lena Sebula. She is the author of a book entitled, it's a spiritual autobiography, entitled Miraculous, My Journey from Hell to Heaven. She's a Christian. She's a social justice advocate. She's a public speaker and a host of the Love and Be Loved podcast. So I'd like to welcome um, Lena into the, the room and thank her for coming. Lena, could you please um, tell us about your lived experience, your life journey, and how you've gotten to where you are today? Yes, thank you so much for having me. And I would never have imagined that after 20 years of silence, I would be standing on stage in front of hundreds of people and that my story going to be broadcasted all over social media because um, in the past I was afraid of judgment and rejection and I thought it was the story of guilt, shame and condemnation. But now I know it's God's story of salvation. So, so, so you are from the Ukraine? I am from Ukraine, but I was born when it was USSR. Mm-hmm. So I actually, I'm Russian. Oh, okay. And so my parents didn't immigrate to Ukraine. They actually moved. And um, yeah, now it's complicated because um, my um, city have had that time 55,000 um, people. And they were clean Russian, but they are right in the middle of the Ukraine. So now when they separated, that that's where the trouble actually starts. And everybody thinks this this war is actually where it's begun, but I do believe that's what affected my family in um, 91 when the uh, Russia and Ukraine separated. Mm-hmm. So uh, my parents already struggled in their marriage and uh, discord in the country definitely didn't help and they became an alcoholics and lost well-paid jobs. Mm. And at our home, government turned off uh, the electricity and hot water for outstanding bills. Mm-hmm. And I literally was hungry all the time. I was starving. And my home like was really disgusting. It was infested with uh, black mold, cockroaches, and mice. Mm. And we really struggled in poverty trying to survive. When you when you when you talk about this period of time in your life, approximately what age were you, are you talking about? I was eleven. You were eleven years old. Okay. And and when did the when did you begin to um, run into the more serious um, problems that you talk that you share in your book? When when did all of this start happening? Um, well, it's probably like around thirteen years old because. My, my home was always full of strangers who brought booze and drugs, mm-hmm. but they brought food as well. So I've always been hanging out so I could eat. Mm-hmm. So then parents did not protect me and I became the easy target for those guys. Mm-hmm. So I was actually raped in the basement of my apartment numerous times. Mm-hmm. So when, when I thought that things couldn't get any worse, uh, one month before my 15th birthday, I woke up with severe abdominal pain and ended up um, in labor and um, had a baby girl. And I didn't know I was pregnant and I didn't know who her father was. Mm-hmm. 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 
And this was approximately around 13, 14 years old. I was 14. 14, 13? 14. 14 years old. Mm -hmm. Well, um, so tell me a little bit more about your, how your life began to change and when and how and all of that. Well, definitely on top of that, I was drinking, smoking. I started using really like hard drugs because um, I knew that no matter how um, this baby's life was in danger because of me being malnourished and being smoking and drinking. Mm -hmm. And she did pass away three months later. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and I carry her small casket to the cemetery in my arms and for the next 20 years that image has plagued my mind and my soul so i actually turned to heroin because it was better to be high Mm -hmm. than feeling worthless hopeless abandoned and broken Mm. um yeah i spent like next three years i spent on heroin that i didn't really recall much but um, one day I just have this moment of awakening and I saw people dying around me or who went to jail. So I was desperate in despair. I needed change, but there is no hope or help or dreams for people like me because I was literally a street junkie. So then I met this lady who offered me a, um, a helping, like, like offer me a job like and helped me to get off the street and she brought me to her house and she was really kind to me and she offered me coffee and sweets and I was so impressed because she was um, wonderful and kind and compassionate so I kind of like let my guards down because nobody was treating me like this for a very long time so she offered me a job and I just agree easy to like eager to escape because honestly it felt nice and easy talking to her and um, when I still was on heavy drugs I vaguely remember in the report and how I got through customs I'll never know and just one morning I woke up hearing Muslim call to prayer Allah Akbar run out mm-hmm. and I was confused and terrified because I was in a foreign country it took me a while to realize that that nice lady sold me into human trafficking. Mm, mm, mm. And how old were you at that time? I just turned 18. Mm-hmm. So she she took you in and, and gave you some comfort of food and things, and, and then all of a sudden one day you wake up and you're in a foreign country. Absolutely. Right. And that's what I think Like now I'm advocating for that too, because... Sometimes people think that human trafficking is kidnapping, force, you know, violence. But she totally play on all the basic human needs that I was lacking. Right. So that's how everyone is in danger. Even like with the, I was special case, but now I know even like parents, good parents who always busy trying to provide and the kids are alone and they think that they are neglected, less attention. There's somebody going to come into their life through social media, especially, and start um, 
you know, just play on those feelings, you know, tell them that they are worthy and loved and and beautiful and, you know, and then give them gifts. And that's how the people can be lured in into human trafficking. Right. I've heard stories of, of young um, people um, receiving, you know, likes on the on social media or or picture exchanging and somebody and complaining about their parents and somebody coming on one of these predators coming into their their space with um, you know invitations and I feel sorry for you and you, you you deserve better than that and why don't we meet sometime and next thing you know the kid is is um, caught up in something terrible absolutely so- it's very scary and then they just gonna manipulate you know and some people can be trafficked without even leaving their home so it's not like you don't have to be kidnapped and being transported to another place some people like you know like you just said um they just trapped you know by guilt shame and condemnation they definitely get some leverage you know some pictures or something they asking them to do that's inappropriate and then they threaten to release that information into the world, you know, to their parents, to their peers, to their schools. And they so ashamed and embarrassed, they just follow and and do stuff that they tell them to do. So they steal at home. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. And, you know, then I've also heard, you know, people think that, you know, I'm, I'm in, in New York and, and people think that um, they think of trafficking and they think of other countries. And, 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 you know, um, to tell you the truth, I, I heard a story about the uh, high incidence of trafficking around certain events like the Republican convention and the Democratic National Conventions and the Super Bowl, where, you know, you have many people coming in from all over the world to attend these events. And, and the trafficking is at an all time high at these events. I mean, you young people are flown in to hotel rooms and, and it's a, it's very problematic, and, and I'm glad that we're talking about it today. Absolutely. And you know what? Even in my city, when I, I partner up with organizations who fight against human trafficking, and one of them called Fight for Freedom, and we have annual event when we, uh, I have, like, big fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Part of that uh, fundraiser, we're walking around our own cities, and I do believe 21 cities participate here in Canada. Mm-hmm. And we pray in all um, corners, kind of, where trafficking occurs. So, for example, low-income families right. um, living, or refugees, I am living, or some of the areas in my city that been. Um, like known that they have like the massage parlors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So when first time I went on this walk, I was so shocked because I live in the city. And when they start giving us um, statistics and show us these places, I'm thinking, I'm coming with my kids here uh, to the restaurant. I never even thought that this corner it's can be used as trafficking. And that's good that you touch on this part, saying that we think that it's another country. Like, we literally think that it's like third world countries, mm-hmm. you know, something like not us. Right. But I was walking in a city where I'm 
living and I was so shocked because you cannot really see but if you know and if you know red flags you definitely um, can be more aware of that situation happening everywhere even like literally like your neighbors can be trafficked right now mm-hmm. um, I actually talked to one of the ladies on my podcast and she said if I knew this before I would know that my cousin was trafficked by the way she behaved in every social event with the family mm-hmm. and now now it's come out to light but like decades later and this woman said like she was trafficked by her own family like a very close um relative and she was showing up to family events and if like people would know the red flags they would definitely was able to help her earlier mm-hmm. that's how it happening we don't even realizing that it's everywhere well i think if my understanding of the definition of, of a working definition of trafficking is that anytime there's first of all there's different types of trap trafficking there's sexual trafficking human sexual trafficking there's labor trafficking as well um, but in terms of the sexual trafficking I think anytime um, money is exchanged for you know um, sexual activities this is a form of trafficking you don't have to be kidnapped and taken to a foreign country. It could be right here in in the city in, in which you live. Um, so so people um, um, can be charged with trafficking without having kidnapped someone. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, not only that, it's it's forced forced. You mm-hmm. know, like it's not only money too, like they can ask for drugs, for stuff, for the some kind of other thing you know as long as the other party actually entering kind of like by force it's trafficking it's right. somebody control other person movement and and yeah it's it's very very severe but i don't want to you know i don't want listeners to be scared i honestly i just employ you guys to get educated and learn red flags because honestly, maybe one day you can save the life. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you were, when this was part of your lived experience, you were so overwhelmed with, I'm imagining that you were so overwhelmed with fear, with the drug addiction and the alcohol that um, trying to get out of it, I don't know, was that, a, was that a, even a concern of yours? Were you trying to get out of it and couldn't? Or, or was this just not even an idea to try to ex- escape, as they say? Well, I think, like, at some period of time, the drugs was um, only one thing that was there available to kind of get me through. Um, because it's make me numb, you know, and it's make life simple. I think, like, I was so overwhelmed by and neglect and betrayal and abandonment from my family, you know? Mm-hmm. So drugs almost like kind of like medicate my pain. Mm-hmm. And um, I I do believe lots of people like don't quit their addictions because it's kind of like that escape or death. Right. So that was kind of for me. But then when I end up in this brothel, 
when they sold me into um, the Israel, I actually met one gentleman. He was my bodyguard and he shared the gospel with me. Mm-hmm. So if you guys ever think that there is no the right place for you to share your testimony and share Jesus, there you go. This man ended up like, honestly, I do believe by the grace of God and I don't even know if he realizes that he has his own ministry in the brothel and I don't know how many goals that he actually God used him to to bring to God. So it's very interesting because he actually told me about Jesus, he brought me Bible and he took me to pray at the Villain Wall. Mm-hmm. So there is another thing. If you guys think that God's not going to meet you where you are, he met me when I was prostitute, alcoholic, drug addict, and he brought me to the Holy Land to pray and ask him for help. Wow. Um, wow. Wow. Well, yes, you know, God doesn't, you know, some people might think that, um, you know, when we invite people to church, they might think that they have to get their life together before they go to the church or before they can pray or before they can you know, uh, be introduced to God, they feel as though that they have to have their lives together. But me personally, I didn't meet God on the mountaintops of peace and prosperity and wholeness in my life. I met God in the valley of my own despair. And, mm-hmm. and that that's where God, I encountered God with a, um, a life-changing experience. Have you, had you, um, when, when you say that this person introduced you to share the gospel with you and, and brought you a Bible. Did you have any imagine, imagination of what God was like before that? Before, um, you, before you met this person? Actually, like one thing I'm really grateful for that I did not have any religion. Like, you know, I don't think like we are atheists back home, but um, we have like traditions, you know, we have to um, go on Easter or Christmas, we have to go to church and bless the eggs, but I never knew like what's, what is the point of the tradition. And we actually sing these songs, all this, um, what is that called when you sing in in, um, winter time? like you know about Jesus, all the songs about Jesus. Christmas. Yeah, Christmas carols. Yes. Right. <laughs> so, so, so we sing that. So I, I knew about because I'm Orthodox. Okay, they baptized me when I was seven days old, mm-hmm. and so was my family, and so they, they, family before them, but we don't have any relationship with God. But I knew that the God Father, God Son, and Holy Spirit. This is part I knew that about the Trinity because I met few people who are actually still struggling to understand this Trinity, mm-hmm. like three in one. But I kind of got it right away when he was explaining because it's all was from those songs. But um, it's never been like I never thought that the God is living God and He working in our life today. And I can have personal relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. So it's it was all new to me. But in that prayer wall in Jerusalem, 
I actually broke down and shared my heart with God and I knew that I didn't deserve his mercy or his help, but he actually uh, answered my prayer and um, in a miraculous way, he actually showed himself to me that he is true and real. Wow. Wow. Well, this is certainly a, a powerful encounter and, and um, I'm sure that people can read about it in your book. And, and, and the, so the title of the book is Miraculous, My Journey from Hell to Heaven. And where is this book? Where could somebody actually get the book? Where is it available? Yes, it's available on Amazon or Amazon.ca or Amazon.com. You can check out my website as well. It's linacebula.ca, so L-E-N-A-C-E-B-U-L-A at C-A. And if you would like to sign copy, you can shoot me email and um, I can send you a copy. So it's linacebula at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. So everything is easy. Just Google my name, Lina Sibula, and you can find the book, you can find the podcast. And it's very interesting when God asked me gently to write a book. Um, he said, write about the miracles of God in your life. So I assume that he want me to write about my Christian life because I didn't talk about my past for like for two decades. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that he asking me to write about my life, like from beginning to the end. And it was such an interesting experience to actually look back uh, and write this book, um, like from the new perspective. It was like almost like my therapy with God. And it was beautiful. I wrote this book for three years Mm -hmm. and um, he completely healed me. And he didn't ask me to write this book when I was baby Christian. I was, for five years, I was already Christian. I've been loved. I've been redeemed. I've been forgiven. I have my own beautiful family. So kind of looking into the past in the darkness and actually go there with Jesus as my light. Mm-hmm. And and re- I reconcile with my family. I reconcile with that little Lena. I forgive her. Mm-hmm. You know, it was such an amazing experience because I thought I didn't want to write this book. I thought in the beginning I was crying for three days. In the beginning I was asking him why he asking me to do this right now because I was... Um, you know, going to church, I was in the meal committee, I was running Alpha course, I had my hair salon, I have my own path, and and it was such a different experience. And honestly, I said yes to God only because I want to be obedient. I just thought that he would help someone through this book. So I said yes to him, but honestly, he changed my life through this book because then looking back, I realized there's no, my life wasn't like before Christ and after Christ when I got baptized. Actually, I remember myself praying when I was six years old and he saved me, praying every time I was like drug overdosing, he saved me. Mm -hmm. Every time I had encounters when I could die million times over, he saved me. Mm -hmm. Then their experience at the Valen Wall, so 
he actually showed me through this book how faithful he was to me from beginning. Amen. There's power in our story, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in giving an accurate testimony of what happened to us. I'm reminded, uh, you're reminding me of that biblical story in which Jesus heals the the man who's blind and he, he spit and put mud in his eyes. And when they questioned the man, the man stuck to his story. <laughs> he told his story of what happened to him and they tried to get him to to say something else, but he actually stuck to his story of what actually happened, no matter what the consequences were. So you remind me of that, that you stuck to your story and you're sharing it, you have the courage to tell it just like it happened. And there's power in that. And so, you know, um, if if somebody was listening today, somehow they were in a situation where they were um, drug addicted, alcohol and, and trafficked, and somehow, Somebody came to them and let them listen to your voice. What what would you what would you say to that person who's in that situation right now? Well, I think the most important one: don't give up. And and your life is significant. No matter where you are right now, there is hope. And honestly, if you're at the end of the rope and you try everything, give chance to God looking into bible start seeking him and you will find him and honestly that's what transformed my life because no way after everything i've seen and done i would have love peace and joy you know like just money cannot buy we cannot get this we cannot earn this we cannot deserve this but honestly god is miraculous and he loves you so no matter what you think about yourself and where you're right now you are loved amen amen um lena i have to um just i stand in 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 awe at the transforming power of god in your life god's activity brought you from being traumatized at such a young age um and going through all that you went through and now Um, And I'm sure at that time that you felt hopeless, like there was no hope for you ever. And God um, met you in in the valley, as they say. And now you have written a book. I think you mentioned that you have had your own business um, and you have a beautiful family. And so it's about restoration and healing. And God has done all of that for you. And, and we praise God. I'm thankful. I'm excited thinking about, you know, I, I can get excited about, you know, seeing God in the beauty of creation, in the sun, the moon, and the stars, in the universe. But I also get excited about hearing when I hear about God's power and activity in somebody's life like yours. So, so I'm, I'm grateful and thanking you that you came in today to the room. Um, so I just, again, I just want to thank you for coming in. I think we can rest here. Um, I would encourage uh, our listening audience to to go to your, your website, your podcast, to go get the book and, and share, let, let people hear this story um, so that um, it'll serve as an accurate witness to the power of God that is able to transform people's lives. Lena, thank you for coming in today and God bless you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was really good.
You've been listening to Faith Talk. I would encourage you to go to the website at www.reverendjstuartglover.com where you can sign up on the mailing list. You can reach out to me directly by email. You can see uh, Elena's profile and and all the links for her social media and the book. Um, Thank you for being part of this uh, listening audience, which is growing daily. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.